Let's check in now with Governor Ned Lamont this morning. And by the way, this is his favorite time of the week. Just ask him, he'll tell you. Talking to Wayne Norman on WILI. Governor, good morning. Thanks for joining me for today. Before we get to the other stuff, how's the hip? Hey, Wayne. It was a little bigger operation than I had expected, but it's now been a little over a week, and I'm uh, shuffling around pretty good. Um, Don't have to worry about me dancing at Woodstock for the near term. How about dancing on the Shabu stage? Give me a little time, would you? All right, glad to hear you're doing well on that. Hey, how was your day yesterday? Anything going on? Inspiring. I, I thought it was inspiring. I was glued to um, uh, the inaugural. I was uh, glued to the um, the poem. Uh, I think Democrats have a little better music acts. <laughs> Some of that was really good. And, I, I thought Lady Gaga's anthem was just jaw-dropping. I got teared up watching that. Uh, yeah, I did too. And, um, you know... You don't have to dwell in the past. Every four years, uh, we get a fresh start in this country, and I think we needed it. I think you felt that yesterday, didn't you? Absolutely, including that show last night. What do you think the effect on Connecticut will be with President Biden? Do you think we might get more federal money now than we've gotten in the last four years? I do think so. Um, You know, more broadly, first of all, we're going to get a lot better partnership when it comes to COVID. Uh, You know, don't wear a mask, masks are for wimps. A lot of that rhetoric was pretty negative, although the White House was a lot more constructive when it came to vaccines over the last couple of months. But now I think we've got a really good partner there. Um, I'm going to be working on behalf of the governors as a liaison to the White House COVID task force. And more broadly, you're right. Connecticut's still one of the few states that sends billions more down to Washington than we get back. It's outrageous. So uh, I think uh, Rosa DeLauro and a Democratic president and Joe Courtney, we're going to be in a stronger position to make a difference there for our state. As you know, I watch all your press conferences. And on Tuesday, you had said that another batch from the feds was due Tuesday or Wednesday. Did that come in? And if so, how many doses were there? We got, uh, well, we get our 46,000 a week uh, routinely, and uh, they've been pretty good about that, by the way. And we got an additional 50,000 that have come in just because Connecticut's done a pretty good job of actually getting people vaccinated. And uh, that means more of our 75 and over are going to get vaccinated faster thanks to this bonus that we got from the um, Health and Human Services. Okay, give me a little capsule summary of the expanded vaccine groups as they go not just now but into the next couple of weeks and months. Yeah, we are finishing up 1A. That was uh, frontline healthcare workers, hospitals, nursing homes, residents of nursing homes. And we started over the last week to include those who are 75 and over. I think that group will be... Um, substantially completed over the next, say, couple of weeks. And uh, from there, we're going to ease into the 65 and over uh, category. Uh, Easy to administer, people that really want to get vaccinated so we can get a lot of people vaccinated fast and folks who have the highest uh, fatality rate. And the mass vaccination centers, including Rensselaer Field, and you've got a dozen others that are on the table for down the road. But again, at this point in time, for the most part, you're talking about the 1A and the 75 plus. So you're not telling people that are 22 years old to go to Rensselaer Field today. Absolutely not. No, uh, only go if you have an appointment and you're not getting an appointment unless you're 75 and over. 
so we got to be clear. Look, uh, Florida just said, hey, first come, first serve, Bonnie bar the door. You saw everybody with their lawn furniture lined up for, uh, you know, days on end. And they get there at the front of the line and they had run out. I just thought that was uh, not the way we wanted to go. So we're opening up the aperture, opening it up uh, to more people on a very um, strict basis. But we're getting more people vaccinated than just about any other state in the country. 46,000 obviously is a lot, but we've got a lot more people than that in the state. So if people do get dose one or when they get dose one, what assurance do we have that we won't run out of vaccine before dose two? Uh, I feel pretty good about that. Um, two things. Uh, a, they've got the vaccines. They're rolling out. So there could be a terrible supply problem to interrupt. And, and secondly, Wayne, remember, uh, let's say you got the Pfizer dose three weeks ago and you want to have that, you have to have that second dose after three weeks. You can have it after three weeks. You can have it after four weeks. You can have it after five weeks. That's not a deal breaker. So we have a little bit of latitude there, but I feel like the uh, second doses are there on schedule. A couple of email questions. One came from Mark. When will the distribution system we have for flu shots, like at pharmacies, begin giving COVID vaccines? Why do we need mass vaccination sites when we already have such a diverse system already in place? Uh, well, we are opening up uh, Walgreens and CBS um, as we speak right now. So those uh, same flu facilities are also going to be able to do COVID. But our problem is not facilities. We've got the capacity to vaccinate five times more people today than uh, we have vaccines coming in. And I know you and your office and the DPH hears this question all the time from various people, various groups who think, why don't I get bumped up the food chain? But Eric writes, I work for utility company and have customer contact. We were considered essential employees during the beginning of the COVID virus pandemic. I was wondering if citizens that work for public utilities and communications infrastructure would be part of phase 1B. Uh, the answer is yes. But uh, first, we're going to prioritize 65 and over, which is uh, going to keep us pretty busy for the next few weeks. And then backing up to the big picture, the, the fast start for the vaccine, Connecticut number five nationally of states for doses administered. You touched on what happened in Florida with those long lines and lawn chairs and things like that. What, how, why did Connecticut do this, in my opinion, so well? Uh, I, I think what some states did was open it up to everybody and create mass confusion. What other states did was uh, limit it to just a certain type of school nurse and nobody else within that uh, unit. So it was so micromanaged that it had a hard time getting the vaccine out. I feel like we got um, a pretty good balance down the middle. Our hospitals did an amazing job. Frankly, CBS and Walgreens, working closely with our public health department, um, got it to the nursing homes. We're the first state in the country to get all of our um, nursing homes uh, with their first vaccination. Yeah, there's some impressive information there regarding the rollout here in Connecticut. I think one thing, too, that we have not talked about before that I want you to address, there's a lot of buzz and a lot of communication going on now with various sectors of the state regarding when people can get their vaccine. There's also scams regarding this, and I think you should alert people what they should know and where they should really put their guard up. Uh, thank you for that question. Um, a... Your vaccination is free. Uh, B, um, if they call you and ask for uh, credit card information, they ask for um, 
Social Security information, don't give it. We don't require it. It's not necessary. Go to your vaccination facility. Once you've got that appointment, no questions asked. You get it. No cost. And when I saw this yesterday, it definitely got my eyebrows raised. Governor Ned Lamont today announced he has been appointed co-chair of the National Governors Association's Pandemic and Disaster Response Task Force, one of three task forces that are being created by the organization to coordinate and lead bipartisan state and territorial efforts in response to the ongoing pandemic. So give me a little uh, overview of that. Exactly what is that commission about and what will be your role in it and what do you see as the ultimate goal yeah that was a nice tip of the hat to the state of connecticut i loved it so uh me and the governor um from tennessee represent all the governors when it comes to discussions with the white house COVID task force um what we want in terms of federal direction what we want in terms of the defense procurement act they in turn will hear best practices from our governors so we can coordinate better it just helps put Connecticut at the front of the line. I really appreciate it, especially for the all the folks who have been getting people vaccinated on a timely basis. It's a good recognition for them. You can do that in your spare time because, you know, you have so much spare time going on these days. But, no, I'm, that's that's very impressive, and I'm glad you, you got the opportunity to do that. And by the way, speaking of the inauguration and uh, what's been going on in the last couple of weeks in Washington, D.C., give a tip of the hat, a little shout-out for the National Guard people from Connecticut that were called, that you allowed to go down to Washington to help out? Absolutely. Uh, look, you and I, I wasn't quite sure what exactly the Connecticut Guard did. I thought they, you know, filled in in South Korea or something when we were in need. And believe me, after two years of governor, the Connecticut Guard are such heroes. They did the field hospitals. They did ICEA. They were down there in Washington, D.C., protecting the inauguration. They were patrolling in and around our state capitol. Thankfully, nothing happened. And uh, so um, we're going to give a special recognition to our uh, Connecticut Guard and everything they mean for people. President Biden recommitted the United States as a leader in environmental protection, including rejoining the United States as a member of the Paris Agreement on Climate Change. He signed an executive order that took critical first steps to address the climate crisis. Your thoughts on that? I think it was absolutely the right thing to do. Um, you, can, you can't you can solve uh, the environment by yourself as a state. You can't do it by yourself as a country. I think uh, using the international made an awful lot of sense. And uh, by the way, I saw world leaders uh, come forward and say thank you, President Biden, for rejoining Paris. Obviously, a lot of people are still having issues as far as out of work and not getting their usual monetary income. You have had an executive order expanding eligibility in the federal Lost Wages Assistance Program. It's resulted in 22,800 unemployed Connecticut residents receiving additional money in federal payments. Tell me more about that. There was a category of people that maybe were keeping, uh, had two jobs, and all of a sudden their, um, their income fell below a certain threshold, and they were disqualified from getting any unemployment compensation. So what we did as a state was that we'll true you up to that, say, $100 a week, and that will mean you're eligible for $700 a week uh, from the feds. So we're leveraging seven to one our dollars for the federal government to help out these people a little bit longer uh, who lost their jobs. And lastly, Governor, give me a state budget update. You actually had a small surplus the, uh, at the end of the year projected. Yes, um, Melissa McCall, always a very uh, conservative budgeter. Um, so our numbers have gotten uh, better. Um, our revenues have come back a bit. We held the line on spending um, outside of COVID-related. 
So we had a um, small surplus, one of the only states uh, last June 30, end of that fiscal year. And it looks like this coming June 30th, we should have a, um, a larger uh, surplus. But um, no dancing for joy uh, quite yet because everything changes in COVID in real time. And one thing that makes it especially good from your standpoint, a lot of other people's too, is that at this point, you won't need to tap the rainy day fund. That That's kind of sacred money for you, isn't it? It gave me a lot of flexibility. Back when um, the Senate couldn't make up their mind what they're going to do to help states with vaccinations and PPP, I mean, I knew that we had a backup. We were ready to go. So I did not have to take my foot off the uh, accelerator at all. And uh, we may need some of that rainy day fund in the coming fiscal year just because revenues are still not back to where they were. Governor, I always appreciate the updates here today. You keep getting that hit better because you've got to get around the state, and uh, we'll check out uh, what's going on with you in a couple of weeks. You're the best, Wayne. Thanks, everybody. You're not bad yourself. Governor Ned Lamont, our guest this morning on 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.